welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for another thrilling, tantalising Deja Review spoiler special. This month's film... Kindergarten Cop. No, uh, The Terminator. There's this month's film, chosen by myself. So this is the film I have chosen, one of my all-time favourites, and... An absolute classic released in 1984, science fiction horror, B-movie as well in a sense, uh, directed by James Cameron, I think it was his second film, and became uh, an absolute blockbuster success. With me for this podcast, this review of the film, my own T-800s, Gordon Webster. Good evening, Mr. Barry. Steve McCall. A very good evening to you all. Scott Armour. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> and Francis Murphy. Yo, yo, yo. Okay, okay, interesting take on the yo, yo, yo. Uh, He's trying to do it like, how, like a robot. Right, yeah, yeah. So, everyone full of enthusiasm tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep, so yes, we've gathered for this fantastic film. Um, re- we've obviously rewatched it as usual, and now we're going to spoiler detail of our thoughts of the film going into all sorts the usual let's start with the the credentials of course what's our history with the film uh when we did we first watch it when we were familiar with this film and how many times do you think you've seen it uh let's start with you scott i um, c- couldn't tell you when i first saw it to be fair but it was probably probably when i shouldn't have seen it if that makes sense uh similar to robocop i think it was one of the you know, one of the films your dad is like desperate to kind of sit you down and watch or get you to watch sort of thing, that kind of sci-fi, the 80s sci-fi film. So it would have been well into the 90s um, well, I, when I had seen it. Um, probably as a young kid, I probably preferred Robocop, to be honest. Um, that's still kind of up for debate uh, for me in terms of which, probably which character I prefer best in terms of the actual Terminator or Robocop. But I think watching it again, the film is just, it's so iconic. It's the film that propelled Arnie into being the, you know, the 80s megastar that that he ended up being. Um, Some dodgy, some dodgy special effects in there. Um, I think there's, stop motion towards the end there's also some puppetry that's a wee bit kind of like hmm uh, it's not really aged that well um but i think overall the films the the, the films uh, as i say it's iconic yeah fran sorry i was just eating some chocolate there <laughs> listening very carefully my history of the, with the film it's it's similar in the sense that i can't really remember um i think i saw it on tape or something when i was quite a young kid i've got a funny feeling it was a relative of mine that was like, oh, you should have a look at this and put it on. Um, but I, but I, my main memory of Terminator, and I suppose it's Terminator and Terminator 2, either, like that sort of time, is just everybody having the toys, like action figures in the playground and things like that. Yeah. So, like, uh, like Terminator, I suppose, to our, ge- <clears throat> to our generation, has been one of those sort of, you don't remember the world without that franchise existing. Sort of a part of your childhood, playing with the to- toys and things like that, and it was only much later that I began to appreciate the the film, the first film. Yeah. Um, you know. So I, I suppose in a way, actually, because I watched it a lot when I was a kid, and then I remember watching it again when I was a teenager, and I, I I feel like I almost saw the film for the first time twice, if that makes sense. Like you sort of see it when you're young, and you're like, oh my god, 
you know, it's scary or whatever. And then you watch it when you're an adult, and and you're like, right, oh, this is there's a there's more to this. You know, you kind of you you're obviously you're able to examine it a bit more closely later on. So yeah, excellent, Gordon. I've never been a big sci-fi fan, despite my love for Star Wars. As although I saw Terminator uh, again, I was a bit younger, and I should have been probably in my early to mid teens, but. I'm actually not sure if I watched it the whole way through. I'd say I've seen the whole... I watched it last night, and I think that was the probably the second or third time I'd watched it the whole way through. And I think all the reason for that was when I was younger, I would be looking for more of an action film. And it was apparent to me in the last week just how much of a horror film it is. And that probably, the, the when it started to get a bit darker at like the second half of the film, I tended to stop watching it. But I was... I Yeah, one of my earlier pieces of knowledge of Arnold Schwarzenegger was this like um obviously you mentioned kindergarten cop and some of the lighthearted films he's done um last action hero kind of as well and you know but this was actually to me always one of the definitive Schwarzenegger movies even from a young age and he was one of the first like really well-known actors that I became aware of and yeah um brilliant to revisit yep Steve so sticking with the theme, not wanting to let the side down. This is the first time I've seen this film. Okay. I uh, Yeah, so I know it's one of these classics. I'm really glad I've been given this opportunity to watch, actually, because it's one of these you know, these films that everyone says, oh, you have to have watched it. And I was like, no, I've never seen it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's always really interesting watching these kind of 80s sci-fi B-movie type films in sort of today. Because it, it does jar so much with the films that and the TV films that I end up watching today because, as has been mentioned, things like the the special effects and some of the, the yeah. themes and whatnot. You look at it and you go, you would not do that or get away with that. Now, that's, that's mm-hmm. complete. It looks so old. And there's always something quite charming about watching a film set in the future, which is actually what eight years from now 2029 it's based so yeah seven years from now it's yeah based, some of it's based always, yeah yeah which is incredible but no it was it was a fascinating first watch and i'm looking forward to getting into this because it was it was an it was a genuinely incredible watch for numerous reasons you can see why it propelled arnold schwarzenegger into the the fame that he did yeah it's i mean the obviously the one thing no, everyone who's even heard of terminator no matter whether or not you've seen it knows the the i'll be back catchphrase <laughs> i was shocked at how throwaway within the film it was you know the the suggestion or the the sort of legend behind that particular catchphrase gives you the impression that it's used consistently or it's used you know at least more than once or at some sort of memorable part but it's it's one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's very few lines but there's obviously something about that that caught imagination and caught on it's incredible yeah but yeah it was a fascinating first watch I've, I've watched one of the sequels I can't remember which one it was I think um I'm looking at the the films now to try and work out which one it was. I'm when, not entirely you know, sure. But... On the sort of time scale, like because obviously T two is the early nineties film, or is it like one of the last was... couple that came out in the last ten years? Do you know? I it was. I think it was. I'm looking at it. I think it might have been Terminator three. Oh god. Yeah. Two thousand three. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps not the best introduction. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, absolutely not. Uh... <laughs> That's unfortunate. Well, it looks like I've, 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 as usual, I've done these films completely the wrong way around. It's it's <laughs> um... interesting. I love your 
because you usually are the the fresh take on the the films that's sort of the theme isn't it as you mentioned and it's always good to hear what you think of these things because a lot of us most of us are usually coming to these films with a nostalgia but you're coming at it with completely a modern lens looking back at something uh, yeah so that's always I, I appreciate that um and the i'll be back thing as well like i get why you would think that because the thing is with that line it was a comic line at that the way it's used obviously the terminator surveying that room to do, to work out if he can drive a car through it and then he just yeah. leans in and says the line but obviously you don't know why that's funny until he does it but um obviously yeah. they reuse the line in every well at least two of the the films after that and he and they use it in parodies like last action hero and like it became his catchphrase outside of that film but yeah, it was just a line in the film that was quite funny, like a dark humor moment. My experience with this film is, again, it's similar to you guys, where I can't pinpoint the exact year or age I was, but I know I was definitely not the age I should have been. And it was a kind of my friends growing up had all found a way to watch it and it became part of suddenly we're playing it was going from let's play turtles to let's play the terminator and let's be the terminator and these action figures as you mentioned fran some i think someone had a, a nintendo game and the terminator and things like that so i think my dad now i've told this story i think to scott probably you might remember when i start telling you now i think my dad obviously recognized that he wanted me to be able to take part in the the sort of fun and games that my friends were playing but he also recognized being a responsible parent that certain scenes in these films is not suitable for little young uh, Stephen and his brother Mark so he would actually I don't know how he would do it if he was recording it when it was on at the time but he would actually then change the channel or something so it would cut out to like a, an advert or something or he would he would cut it down somehow I don't know so mm -hmm. essentially key scenes sometimes were omitted from films where there was a <laughs> sex or violence in the scene so years later I remember watching it and the guy getting his heart ripped out at the start mm -hmm. you know that was news to me I was like oh wow I don't remember that and the uh, obviously the sex scene with, with Linda Hamilton uh, and Kyle Reese uh, Michael Bean that was uh, that was news to me when I watched it in my rewatch years later so uh, yeah it's... so you watched the PG cut of yeah, Terminator yeah, yeah. <laughs> really hastily edited with key plots <laughs> points missed out uh, so thank you dad for that but uh, yeah I mean I loved it and I would uh, yeah I would you know have the had had the action figure and it, it, my memories were inter like I, I couldn't really tell the difference between the first set and the second one until about years later and I initially for years thought the second one was my favorite and as time has passed I my rewatch of the first one absolutely cements that that is my favorite of this franchise but I think, yeah, I think it's quite uh it's not it's not like controversial it's a debated thing because a lot of people would say T2 is one of the first ever films maybe apart from the Empire Strikes Back that is a clear cut better than its original it's kind of widely accepted as the better film but it also depends on your take the second film's an action film that has a relatively scary villain but the first film is a horror film with some action scenes well, that, that, that's it i think the <clears throat> i think the thing with better sequels is that they tend to come from films that maybe didn't didn't originally expect to have a sequel because i don't think i mean no matter what anyone says about star wars you know that that's a, a cut and dried film it's a, it's a self-contained story and so is terminator as well yeah. those stories could have been on their own but obviously they, they exploded and there was some so the, the this empire strikes back and terminator 2 both benefited from having a lot more money having a lot more faith from whoever you know what i mean like they, like there was there was much more pumped into them mm -hmm. 
sorry, just because the original films were original plots were quite simple, the films could only be better. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Interestingly, the, the fact that the second was interesting, well, first of all, um, a lot of people, um, it's known as T2 or Terminator 2 rather than, I, I often think of it as Judgment Day, that's like a subtitle, mm. yeah. but it is quite a long period, it was quite a long period between the two because, um, was it 91, the second yeah. one? And for successful, see the few sequels that do really uh, are really successful they usually come a short time after like empire strikes back so yeah. you know a good um i so a good um seven years between the two but um quite cameron's, a difference in tone yeah i was going to say cameron's initial his initial idea for terminator was liquid metal so he had he had the idea of liquid metal even for the terminator however given the um limitations of obviously cgi and special effects he would never be able to do it um, and apparently it was only when he'd done the special effects in the abyss. I don't know if anyone, you guys have seen the sort of alien effect in the abyss. He basically. I heard like, about it. Yeah. Because yeah, it was like, I know one of the first examples of CGI in a film. Uh, I think so. I think it was ILM as well. I think when was the abyss? 88? So late. I might late, just be talking about 80s. one scene, but. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. I mean, the effect is literally the exact same effect as like liquid metal and, and t2 so i'm not sure why there was such a such a gap but i think definitely for cameron he probably always wanted to visualize the idea of because I, I think in his initial plan it was two terminators would be sent back and two humans would be sent back um but obviously that was just sort of watered down to just one terminator and one human type thing yeah okay so it's a film that we mostly obviously have very fond memories of and is uh, is hailed as one of the classics of cinema and its budget obviously was it was considered a, a you know a, a B movie in that sense it had for its time quite a small budget um you know was it 6.4 million and it obviously made it the box office about just over 78 million so it was a huge success and it's surprising when you look at that and you think it took them seven years to get a sequel made but obviously cameron mm. had other plans he was a uh, prolific at this point in his career before he you know got into that point in after around the in the mid 90s where he started really taking huge gaps between his films but at this point he was quite a prolific filmmaker he was really had all these ideas and he was moving from project to project similar to arnold schwarzenegger at this point because this film made him the superstar that he was he wanted to use that and do all these other things which is what exactly what he did so it took seven years for them to then come back but anyways we're talking about the first one this one uh, i'd love to at some point do the second one but uh let's focus on and on this first one right so Let's uh I was trying to think where we start starts. Now I guess that we can probably just start with maybe the opening section of the film, um, because it's it is quite uh it's quite an iconic title s- sequence with the music playing. Um what's your what's your thoughts on this the uh the music over the titles? Minimalist. It's an excellent example. Yeah, sure. Excellent example I'll... of minimalist synth. Yeah. It's just yeah. you know I, I like I mean, it's probably no surprise to anyone that I'm I'm going to enjoy analysing synth synth music, given the fact that I've been making synth music for years. But <clears throat> what's interesting about it is it kind of goes to show that it doesn't really matter how simple a track is, even if it's just one or two instruments playing. It's the melody. It's the it's the you know it's just 
an iconic piece of music. Yeah, it's so you know? strange. Oh, it's, that it's, time it's, signature is messed up, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I read it was um, 13 Fido. something. How, it's like 13 seconds. Well, how do you say his name? Is it Fidel? Fidel, Fidel? I think. Brad Fidel. 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 Brad Fidel. We'll go, we'll go Brad Fidel. Um, yeah. It's not as bad as Polidorus, um, so we'll go as Fidel. Um, but no, he, uh, apparently he was sort of experimenting with like pans, like frying pans, and that's where he got the kind of the kind of main sort of beat from. And then when he tried to overlay that with the synth, it was the time signature was bonkers. That's why there's such a not a drastic change, but I think that's why T2's theme is very very different to T1's um, because he he basically changed it. I think it's when he, he he was asked to do the sheet music for T1's. Um, score and he was like, "What? <laughs> what time signature is this? This is really difficult to write this." Um, but I, I, I love it. I think the I think the opening sequence you're kind of just it's kind of just it's almost like panning across like the different letters of the Terminator and stuff. It's very it's very dark, the menacing almost. It's yeah. And his theme, his theme song's also very kind of it's very mechanical. It's very robotic. It's almost as if you can imagine, like, like industrial, like it's yeah. If you if you close your eyes, you can almost imagine that this music. He's got the I don't know, but it's almost as if it's like a hammer hitting a big bit of metal. It's almost that yeah. kind of chime factory line. Yeah, it's almost as if I'm I am imagining the Terminators being built mm-hmm. through this, like through the theme theme song. Very effective. And, yeah, yeah. All the music had that percussive sound to it which was it was very simple but very effective mm. if you look at the, the score by Brad Fido on the whole and especially when you talk about those kind of short da 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 that that's a riff to me like all the great if we look at all the great films we've talked about the great scores in recent memory on this podcast they all have those riffs if you like it may not be a guitar riff but that hook and that that had it as well um and I I think yeah the, the music was great. I think it was that sort of title sequence. It was simple, but maybe because it worked as... Let's not forget there was a scene prior to that where... And it was, a, as far as I remember, a very quick cut into... It would have been 2029 when the supercomputers had essentially taken over and it's like the, the war between man and the machines. Have I done it again and, where I thought that was before it for some reason? Yeah, you get... It's almost like a, it's almost like a scroll, isn't it? You get the... You get the text on the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. literally 10 seconds. And yeah. I was a little worried when I saw that, but because I, I, I always think, you know, chucking some text up on screen is a slightly lazy way of introducing mm-hmm. a film. But thinking about it at the time, the sci-fi scene, you know, obviously Star Wars famously starts off with it. So I suppose I could kind of see where it was coming from with it. But it's, I mean, it's, it's a quick, simple and effective way of sort of introducing the film. But mm. it, initially, my said was, that's a bit lazy. You know, just, you know, pan it out a wee bit more with a, a bit of acting. But it, it, well, it didn't yeah. do so many damage at all. So it was, in essence, um, uh, I'm going to say it, bam, 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 like a pre-title sequence mm-hmm. style thing. So there was, and it was brief though, the the opening <laughs> the opening scene of, like I said, I, I'd imagine that's 2029, the, the era that Kyle Reese gets sent back from. And it, already you're getting that real drastic, dark bleakness. Uh, bleak. Um, getting you in a, it gets you in a, a certain kind of mood. Um, yeah, it it's all like worked very well. Because that, that exact scene obviously appears later on in the film when he falls asleep in the car outside the sort of... There's a, I think yeah, there's a couple of flashbacks. Sim- I think exact... it's different flashbacks, but it's similar... It yeah. looks because you've got the the sort of big plane type thing flying over, and I'm, I'm 
I thought it was actually the same scene. And you, you've got the bulldozer going over the skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe oh, yeah, that. Shots, but it's, it's mm. the same. I'm, maybe I'm the sure same shots, shots for those that yeah. just used it again. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. It's is, kind of is that not just... Yeah, Steve, is that not just the ultimate bleakness seeing skulls being crushed by this huge big machine? I mean, it sets the scene immediately. You're going, oh, God, this is going to be grim. <laughs> yeah. it, it really sets the... that. I mean, that, that one image sets the scale to the, the death and devastation. Cause there's, there's many ways of showing the effects of a war, but I think there's just something about I don't know, human skulls being crushed that just says... Yeah, this is this is death and destruction on an enormous scale. This mm. has to have been bad, and it's which pushing the right frame of mind. It's so dark as well. Like literally, the the film mostly shot at night. A lot of night scenes. The film just has a very dark, gloomy look to it. Kind of well, it's, it's almost it's almost fitting to know that this film was actually came from James Cameron having a nightmare. Mm. So he had a nightmare about this sort of robotic torso, like crawling. It's either crawling towards him or crawling somewhere um and apparently he immediately was like right i need i need to write about this and you get this down so this kind of nightmarish setting um i i think i think they visualized it really well and i think going back to the score i think fiddle score anytime we anytime we have the flashbacks or do they flash forwards i'm not really sure i know it's flashback to the future flashback to the future Um, that could be that could be a back to the future. I know, uh, totally. Song, yeah. for a flashback to the future. I like that. Um, but Fido's always uses the kind of same. It's like a. It's very synthy, but it's like it's always always big kind of swells. You know the and then it's a. Anytime, anytime I hear that bit of music, I always just visualise the skulls and the sort of purple lasers. Like in the hunter killers kind of flying and stuff like that. It's really good. It's but done really well. It's a very effective score. Obviously, very you know eighties in that sort of period of that synth and uh, that sound. To me, is when I think of eighties films, that's one of the films I think of. And uh, yeah, I, I I do love it. Obviously, some of it has aged. There's a couple of chase sequences where that kind of. Uh, well, it does go. It does go a bit crazy. I mean. Uh, if we're, if we're saying, I think the theme song is tremendous and iconic, uh-huh. but I think the score is definitely, as you say, there's certain bits. It's, but the bit most recently for me is when uh, Kyle Reese is running through the the shop um, when he's about to, you know, obviously get his trainers, etc. And the synth is just doing stuff. I don't even know what it's trying to do. There's no melody. There's no mm. rhythm. It's just... And it was just like, oh my god, this you, you could put this over a fucking Mario game. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say um Perfect Dark Scott, because it's it, I get real perfect dark vibes, but I, I think that I might have heard that that was a big influence, the sci-fi Aye. angle of that. It was there's, film. A, there's a few songs in the, the Perfect Dark score that are clearly homage to the, the, the Terminator theme of Brad Fiedel's music. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. I understand he's trying to go with this. You know, if you fit it in with Kyle Reese, he's just literally been zapped back through time. He's running away from police instantly. So I, I understand, I get the idea that the music is obviously quite sort of scattergun. It's it's almost trying to capture how Reese is probably feeling, but I think just the way it was executed now, I think if Fiedel could do it again, he probably would... Like it feels the second one is where the the production is a bit better on on, on mm. that side of stuff, but the 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 kind of low 
the heart, the sort of metallic heartbeat sound that I think he described it as for the ter- Terminator music. Mm. When you, when when you, any moments where there's any menace, when the Terminator's on screen or or just you off screen, the, you hear that kind of yeah, yeah. That is really effective, very effective. I love that. Yeah, it's, and again, it's 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 Carpenter esque, isn't it? Yeah. It's like Michael Myers. Anytime Myers is on in the first fi- the first film, okay. Maybe maybe the Halloween theme song is potentially overplayed in, in, in the Halloween films, especially the first one. But anytime Myers is on, he, you hear that piano. Um and I think it's good that it's not overplayed. The actual theme isn't overplayed in this, but it's the it's the beat and you know you know Arnie's about when you hear the pop 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 pop. Yeah. It's really good. Anyway. Okay, uh, so obviously we've we've touched on that, that that initial sequence, which I completely forgot about once again uh, before the titles, uh, the the fu- the flashbacks to the future, um, and then obviously we've actually got the the sequences when Arnold first appears, uh, looking uh, well, very very well, <laughs> and, <laughs> swole. And, and his prime. This modern term is <laughs> yeah. it swole? Uh, My God, he is a specimen of a man in yeah. this. Yeah. Jesus Christ! It's uh... yeah, and as far as I know, that's just how he was back then. There wasn't any trick photographer. There wasn't any sort of. I mean, they must have done. Well, he, he was must have been on things. He, yeah, he must have. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he, they maybe had them like having the, just like maybe a lot of actors would like certain. Healthy requirements in the, in the making of it as well, but yeah, it's just like I that was like almost peak Arnold Schwarzenegger, like physicality, wasn't it? I think or maybe ever, a bit later, yeah, than I, that. I would say that is him. Uh, That's him, yeah. I think he, he was coming off the back of the well, he was he was filming Conan, mm-hmm. you know, Ter- Terminator was delayed for like nine months because, um, Conan the Destroyer, the Conan, yeah, Conan the Destroyer, he, they basically. Um, I'm not sure who the director was, but Schwarzenegger had a clause in his contract where it could be like you know activated for he had to come back and do the sequel. Um, so obviously we all know Conan; it's like rippling. It, it, it doesn't wear any clothes in that film, so it's like. But I think that's how Schwarzenegger was. But it's interesting when you kind of watch Schwarzenegger. Then over the years, he he does slim down, you know, and he and you don't you don't get the top off kind of army that you get. But certainly in this film, he just looks incredible. Um, and so menacing as well. However, <laughs> do you not think it's do you not think it's funny how Skynet decided that the person that they will build to be an infiltrator is a guy who's like six foot three, built like a tank with a really aggressive Australian accent? Yeah, like he, and he they'll just. He doesn't really, he doesn't really blend in. This guy, <laughs> Do you I know can't, I mean? he's not going to be able to hide too easily, is Aye. he? He's, he's he's so obvious, and then obviously when he steals the, we get but we get the, the um standard Bill Paxton experience uh, in a James Cameron film. Uh, once he steals his clothes, like he looks so out of place, like he looks so obvious. He's got the studded jacket, this kind of the punk sort of look. He's this big, massive guy. He just stands out like a sore thumb. It's hilarious that it's like if you were to put him in a lineup and be like, "What do you think a Terminator looks like?" It's like, um, I think it looks. I think it might be that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think Cameron did yeah. get questioned on that, and he said like we knew that was obviously going to be something that could be pointed out but he didn't i think he thinks and as part of the film it doesn't take you out of it 
Uh, I suppose if you think about right, kind of robots building robots, because I think the idea is that the robots officially became self-sufficient and started mm. sort of almost producing themselves. So I suppose if a robot wanted to create peak physicality to destroy humans, that's probably what you designed, but they, they wouldn't have had that human element of woody blending and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's the thing, that, yeah. because he's like, he's a, he's, he is specifically designed as an infiltrator. You know, that's the way, that's that's what they call them in the, or the sort of future, they're infiltrate infiltrator units or whatever yeah um and i just find it it's funny and then obviously um when it jumps to the flash forward actually it's, it's one of arnold's mr olympia like pals is it frank something frank colombo maybe he's the guy that um he's the terminator in the future he's the terminator in the future yeah but yeah i think you could use headcanon and explain that the the terminators the machines are, are kind of getting they're not quite it reached their peak in terms of it's probably they've probably progressed so quickly and that's that's maybe something mm. you could say their, their their evolution is it was over a very short period of time and maybe that's a flaw i suppose but hey that's a lot of headcanon to put on a film <laughs> for casting uh, i mean you could read it as just they see that i mean the film is it seems like the film is saying this is what masculinity this is this is it this is peak what it is to be a, a man like this is what mm. the t- the machines think is the is the definition of the pinnacle of yeah. the pinnacle of the human sort of uh, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's an interesting idea, but fantastic. And yeah. As a sorry, Gordon. No, I was just going to say uh, on the the way talking about the scene where he obviously uh, gives the punk guys a right good kicking and steals well kills one of them ripping the heart out as well actually, um, and then steals the clothes of one of them. I think all that's very organic in the way it's similar to how when Kyle Reese is chased by the police into that clothing shop and he needs clothes so he rips things off the shelf it's these lovely new Nike trainers oh the but camera the, loves a wee both... shot of those Nike trainers doesn't it oh, oh yeah it certainly did oh, yeah. big, big, big tick on them as well <laughs> yeah. very clear but, but um, it's very organic in that it's like the the imagery of this is the Terminator this is what he looks like like this you know like the leather jacket the studs and that's kind of um, quite an iconic sort of piece of imagery of like one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's biggest characters or a big character in, in film history. But it didn't, it isn't just, a lot of these films would have he just wears that because it looks cool, but there's a reason for him wearing it. He It's because he encounters these people in the middle of the night and he steals mm. the clothes of the first person he sees. So it works. You're not there left asking questions like, why would he be wearing that? It's the same as later on. I, I mentioned about, um, I obviously, Kyle Reese, how he gets his clothes. So there's not things happen in the film for a reason. It isn't just that it exists because it looks cool. Yeah. It's kind of the lucky, actually, as well. I mean, it's kind of lucky in a way that he didn't come across, like, a pensioner with a cardigan on and yeah. whatever, or, like, you know, a person... <laughs> Had the same build as him running. Uh, Yeah, exactly, a giant... Yeah giant pensioner or like somebody <laughs> run, running with a tracksuit on or something like that yeah like, another example shorts and though, t-shirt <laughs> well they do they essentially take the idea of that into the i think it's the third film in the, in the gay bar is that not where well, they, they oh yeah, yeah. the glasses oh well actually funnily enough there's that terminator um so the terminator is it terminator what's it called um you've got terminator the terminator. Well, terminator genesis and what was the last terminator film dark fate, dark fate. Dark Fate, yeah, where you see him at the start, but he's got like Hawaiian outfit on. 
So that's not Dark Fate, I don't think, because I've seen that and I don't remember that. So what's he wearing at the start of that? Like he's, he's he, when he anyway, it's like the flashback scene. Yeah, because the clothes, like he, I think they kind of finally realised that it was stretch and plausibility that he would always find the exact similar costume yeah, every time. Leather jacket. Yeah. yeah, but it's all like all these. This, um, like I was saying, that this iconic look that Schwarzenegger had, including the sunglasses. It continued in all these sequels. It all came back to pretty much this opening scene with these these reprobates hanging around. But <laughs> um, but the other thing I was going to say was the sunglasses too. He has them on for a reason because well, as from how I read the film, because of an injury, he had to remove his yeah. like eye or pretend eye because mm-hmm. he isn't really a human. So his cyborg eye couldn't be seen. Did yeah. he maybe put the sunglasses on yeah. so he fits in? Yeah. And like that yeah, is how, so there's a reason for purpose. that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying necessarily that the I'm not saying that the the studded jacket and stuff, but like it it, it just it just makes him stand out even more. Like I'm not saying that it's a it's a bad thing. I understand that it's he has came across these punks by chance and by chance the clothes of one of the guys fits him. It's just when he's walking about you see him walking about looking for a uh well i think he's when he, when he approaches the the first sarah connor like middle of the day and he's he just looks so out of place i think that that was kind of the that was kind of sort of the he definitely looks out of place in that yeah. suburban yeah. environment i think he looks completely like he fits the environment at mm-hmm. night in the sort of la streets because i imagine la new york in the 80s was a lot of crime and it was rife and, and the sort of i love the way films portray punks like mm. that sort of like you know streets of rage baddies with huge spiky color like you know blue spiked hair dudes what is like that? that i was gonna say what does bill paxton says so, this guy's a couple of cans short of a six pack yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's like hey wash day tomorrow huh <laughs> what's, what's wrong with this picture yeah so you know it's, it's interesting that gordon you sort of brought up the injury to the the face one of the things i noticed was the body horror aspect of this film with um I mean, at certain points, it looked as if because he'd been damaged, it looked like he was a rotting corpse, almost. Yeah. Like this pale, sweat, like clammy looking skin. I mean, it it looked, it it almost, I was sort of looking thinking, I bet you if you were close to the Terminator, there'd be flies on him and you could smell Mm. him. Like, 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 you know? It alludes to that, but it's the fuck you asshole scene where it's the cleaner shouts. Oh, yeah. You got a dead cat in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and the heat. Yeah, the only. Because he's not going to wash himself, probably. He's only thinking of just repairing himself to get back on his mission. I don't think he's going to think, I need to fit in a bit better but i'll wash i'll do I'll, you know but that, that aspect of it sort of goes away from the later films there's still gore but there's not this aspect of the terminator is rotting as it's going about the flesh part yeah. of it is rotting away yeah. and i mean it, it, you know it, it's horrifying i mean that's the thing there's a there, there is a we say horror film whatever but there is a horrifying aspect to to the actual design of the terminator in this film that you don't get anywhere else yeah, it's also they well, softened it for the audience sorry it was um it's just that kind of you know uh, this film is the one that is the most violent this is the most brutal the kill count in this film mm. is insane but they softened it as the films went on because it became a, a bit more family friendly franchise so here, so here's a question right so he's he's described as a cyborg right but i always i always thought that cyborgs were a like part human part mechanic. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that could only that could only operate with human well i um, think i think parts. that's what's what was what terminator salvation went into a little bit was you see skynet 
experimenting on humans and taking humans away in the, the box, was a, like the, the trucks. Marcus, um, Marcus was a, he was a cyborg, but in, in terms of T-800, like, you take off all of the human element, it's... Was it, is that an android then? Is it classed well, as is it a robot? Well, the, I think the reason it's a cyborg is because the human part of it is sustained. So I think there's parts inside of it that where it can, eat, flesh, it can yeah. eat and drink, and what mm. it, it can eat and drink, and that that sort of keeps its flesh going. But I think yeah, what what you what you're seeing is as he gets damaged, obviously it can't sustain the shell anymore. Mm. So it's so it kind of I suppose Terminator could you could say in its in its form as it is it's a cyborg but it is you're right in the sense that the robot aspect of it can carry on mm. after but it's really interesting like I th- I think th- I do think they tried to explain it later where they were saying you know this is I think there's even in Terminator three I think there's bits where he talks about you know how how he keeps his biological part going. Or whatever. I think there's there's lines that come up in later films. But then Genesis. again, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Or oh, Gen- Genesis, yeah. I think it is Genesis. But that's the thing. Like you know, in these earlier, this first film, it doesn't. It's it's like it's almost like if it, like if you watched all the other films and then watched this one, it would be almost like it it strips away all the bullshit. There's no there's no over overly convoluted explanations for anything. It's oh yeah, just, it is what it is. And, and yeah. I, it's later that those things got clarified, but it's kind of refreshing in a way, isn't it, to watch this Good. one? I th- I, and again, it was no. Uh, my question was no criticism towards the film. Like I, I'm the same as you. I did not need it explained. I'm glad they didn't go and explain it because, unfortunately, with the Terminator franchise, especially when they do try and explain it. It just gets muddled, especially well, the time traveling right. thing. It's, you know it's I mean? almost like it's almost like a joke. It's it's like a great joke doesn't need to be explained. It's it's when it's explained, it's ruined, isn't it? Steve, mm. your first take on this. What was your you know what was your thoughts on the on how the film takes you through the story and the re- revealing of certain points? Um, I mean, it's it's always tricky because the eighties. Um, sort of special effects. I think we we had a similar conversation when we talked about Robocop. It kind of does take you out of it slightly, like the the blue lightning bolts when they're coming through from the future. Mm. Uh, does, you you kind of watch and go, this is a bit ropey, but mm. you kind of have to drag yourself back and go, no, no, it was 1984. They didn't have, this was the best they had available to them. Um, and I think it it's, I mean, it's a massive contrast because I remember one of the comments I made about Robocop is that within the first 15 minutes of the film, you knew everything you were in it and it was go there was no let up whatsoever this was a lot more of a build-up it was a lot more gradual it's maybe about sort of 40 50 minutes in before you finally understood exactly what was going on right. there it was yeah. two enemies that were sent from the future yes like the that kind of exposition dump from kyle when he actually sits and explains to her yeah, yeah you know, that's what's going on when, exactly so before that you do have this but and it works it works like the same way but you 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 are it doesn't leave you lost it does kind of give you that real intrigue of what the hell is going on here why is he arrived which one is that which one is that who is this woman why is she involved and then you kind of mm-hmm. slowly it starts to sort of drop into place mm-hmm. and it's a really nice really interesting way of doing it there's two completely two massive contrasting ways of bringing a story um sort of to the person watching it from two different films i, I, I imagine there'll be a little bit of robocop terminator comparison here yeah two completely different ways of doing it but neither of them are Worse, they they work in completely different ways, but they both work. Is yeah. the main thing. Like, no, I just I think it, this one in particular, it works really the way they slowly bring each character in. You you have the time to kind of get to kind of start to work out who they are. Um, and it's it's incredible. It's I mean the 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 
biggest, the thing that impressed me most about this film is the sheer lack of dialogue from Arnold Schwarzenegger. He only has a handful of words in the whole film, so yeah. the entire thing is him acting. And it's, I can see why this kind of propelled him, because he's incredible. The, the movements, the voice is obviously natural, but the, the way he speaks, the movement, the facial expressions, you can tell within minutes that this guy is... You, 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 at this point, you don't really know that he's a, a robot or cyborg or whatever. You just know that he's evil. He's terrifying. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, absolutely he petrifying. And it's done without any kind of speech or anything like that. And yeah. it's so well done. You get all the sort of explanations from the other characters, from Kyle, from Sarah Connor, from the police, whatever. Um, so the the actual way it starts is it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's you've got the, again, that mix of visual imagery, the, the darkness of it, and the sounds as well. You've got kind of going on in the background, um, the sort of the, the Foley sounds as well as the, the, the score that we've kind of talked about, which comes in in sort of dribs and drabs. Aye. Um, it just, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, like um, talking about, you know, the, the, the setting it up of the characters, you know instantly which one's the good guy and which one's the, the bad one uh, yeah. from what they first do. So you, as much as you don't know the context of why they've been sent back in for the film, you, you can follow what's happening purely on, on the actions these characters are taking. The Terminator instantly kills some randoms in the street, takes their clothes, and Kyle Reese is asking, "What date is this? What's what's something's mm. a bit more going on with them? Like, what year is this? You know, <laughs> who's the president? I was thinking of that character <laughs> in the Fast Show. He yeah. just appears like he looks an astronaut. He'd appear in random places like bars and say." Where am I? What year is it? Who's the president? <laughs> yeah. ah, it just runs away. Like I think it must have been influenced by that. I would say though, um, you you are both correct in what you're saying. There is a an introduction to the characters. It, you learn a bit about them earlier in the film, but I still find it an incredibly fast-paced film. Oh, yeah. And yeah. in the first third, uh, maybe in particular, it's really fast. There's not a minute There's of no... his waste. Yeah. It feels yeah. all efficient, efficient storytelling. There's no scene you could have cut there because it all is, is contributing to explaining things, giving you the vibe of this place and, and the time period and things like that. I think it's very effective. And uh, Steve, just quickly, when you mentioned we're talking about Arnold, you know, his facial structure to me is compelling. And I think one of the reasons Cameron, because he initially was trying to get the part for Kyle Reese and mm-hmm. Cameron actually wasn't keen on that. And he was like, going to, he actually met with him with the idea of kind of being a bit difficult with him and make, putting him off and saying like, no, he's not going to be the part. But as Arnold showed his passion for the project, Cameron was looking at him and decided, I think, to draw him and realised his facial structure had a, such a sort of rigid, mechanical looking sort of form that he was like, you'd be a fucking perfect Terminator. <laughs> and um, yeah, he was completely right. And once he kind of convinced him to do it. I think there was hes- hesitancy from Schwarzenegger because there was a film, like a B-movie film that it failed miserably that came out the year before called The Exterminator or something. Mm-hmm. And so there was this feeling that this was just going to be one of those forgotten schlocky B-films that is kind of, uh, you know, for really diehard fans of a genre that it, like horror wasn't really as cool, I guess, or, or as, as attractive to an actor at this point. But... There's, there's an interview where he does... Um when he's on the set for Conan 
and they ask him what's that it was the clothes for terminator and he's like it's just some shitty oh, yeah. movie I'm doing. i know he actually thought this project was going to die wasn't it was until he'd seen bomb. the first yeah. 17 minutes or so like kind of edited the early dailies or whatever it is they call it and he was like oh wow that's that's actually looks really <laughs> interesting i maybe shouldn't disparage it so quickly but i mean you think about it as well like you, you see you know you take it from where james cameron came from like he was Cameron actually, Cameron actually had to pay money out of his own pocket to film some scenes with Schwarzenegger. Like it was proper, proper, like you know, so low budget, yeah. So you know, not probably not professional. Cameron coming off the back of what Piranha Two. Piranha Two, never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> See, so, and, he, and he only yeah. had to take that, and he didn't watch. Cameron didn't want to take that film. He only took it obviously to try to and make money to get yeah. some experience or whatever. Um. So you can probably understand, you know, you can probably understand like Schwarzenegger maybe maybe being dismissive. It's just like, okay, something's going to come out, probably going to bomb, but blah, blah, blah. I'm amazing and I'm going to be a, a, a megastar anyway. Um, but uh, it was in- it's, it's interesting when you think back and, you know, Cameron sleeping in his car and stuff like that. Oh, like yeah. Proper, proper slumming it to make this film. It's, um, it's, it's amazing when then you actually see the output and it's like, that's crazy. Yeah, crazy. It makes sense as well. You know how you were saying about Schwarzenegger and uh, how he played the character. I think it it's perfectly. It makes perfect sense how if Cyberdyne Systems were producing this cyborg to go back in time, the fact that he would have just this really neutral expression and talks in a monotone, and Schwarzenegger was so perfectly suited to doing that. I think. <laughs> yeah. So you don't, it doesn't need to be, I mean, because he's clearly the star. I mean, the front cover or most of the film posters was just him holding the gun. And, but that's fine because even though he didn't have much of the way of dialogue, it's his presence more than anything. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's a Michael Myers effect, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's just yeah, it's the boogeyman. The <clears throat> unstoppable force. Um, yeah, that is that's really good. Uh, it's kind of, it is a bit unusual, actually. That I was sorry, Steve. I was just going to say how the like most of the marketing seemed to be tailed around star Schwarzenegger. I didn't say Schwarzenegger, Michael Bien, Linda Hamilton. You know, it was just Schwarzenegger, and he was like essentially he probably had a lot less screen time. I would say than um, a good bit less screen time than Kyle Reese or Sarah Connor. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's. I think in that one it makes sense. It's the film. The film is called The Terminator, so you put yeah. on the person who's playing the Terminator, yeah. and he has yeah. an iconic look. So yes, that's. I think it works. The marketing for that. I think a lot of films you could look at a sort of inherent. Um, sometimes, the female star never gets the same sort of as much as it's, the story's really. She's the avatar of the film. She's mm-hmm. the audience. It's her perspective. Really, it's her journey. But um, you know, it's she's not getting the same sort of push the way that they did for for uh something like Schwarzenegger. But at the same time, it, it does make sense when the film is called The Terminator. Uh, did you see who was initially going to be, or the, who the studio wanted? In fact, no, did, was it the studio that wanted for um, for the Terminator role? Like they wanted uh, OJ Simpson. OJ Simpson, uh, yeah. And there's, mm. a, there's a line that I think Cameron said they, he didn't think audi- audiences would believe he could be a killer. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> uh, hmm. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm glad yeah. they did not go there. But also, I think the other Stallone, ones. Stallone, I think. Yeah, Stallone. Stallone and Mel Gibson. I think Mel Gibson was also. Um, I don't know if it. 
Tommy Lee Jones and Mel Gibson was terrible. Mel Gibson was that not? I thought that was for Kyle Reese, was it not? Maybe Mel Gibson was considered. I'm no, because this is the point. I'm sure where um, Schwarzenegger was considered for Reese, and they were thinking mm-hmm. Stallone for the Terminator. Yeah, but that would have been weird. I know. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be able to understand half his lines. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose even even back then, like Stallone was Stallone was huge as well. Like obviously coming off the back, yeah, of he was. And um, Rambo First Blood, I Rambo First Blood would have come out because I think Cameron Cameron was writing for that, wasn't he? He was writing, he was writing Rambo too, um, during the time. So um, yeah, you could understand. And Stallone again looks very probably quite similar. He was quite big, and his, his face is quite sort of. You know, there's no expression there, so you could probably kind of be like, okay, I could understand the appeal still on Mel Gibson. No, 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 that, not not at all. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Um, I've just I've just got the image of Mel Gibson playing the Terminator as Riggs. Well, not not just. just <laughs> I mean, he would certainly be more like you would probably get would blend in. more blend, blend in. More in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think there's been so many examples of that in Hollywood. We'll consider a certain actor because they're big at that time. Hmm. That's what it sounds like to me if they were considering Mel Gibson that time. <laughs> yeah. That um Steve, you were going on about the real kind of heavy eighties feel to that film, which I mean, most obviously like that nightclub scene when the, the Terminator and Reese end up following Connor in there, but and the music that that entails and the girls getting ready in their house and stuff. But like that mid eight nineteen eighty I always think of like nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty five as the real maybe nineteen eighty six is the absolute obviously Technically, as the height of the eighties, because it's the mid eighties. But the era of the films, what you think about, like Top Gun and like a lot of the action movies coming out in that era, and it was like that's part of the reason. So those mid eighties films, I do like the I think the music. The hair, the, do, you know, do you think most of the budget in this film went into hair products mm. because, like Michael Bean's hair has got volume. Uh, he has got volume in that barn. Looks... Even Schwarzenegger at the start, he looks. He does. He does. Like, yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. Do you know? It's funny though, Scott, because um, Schwarzenegger. Did you notice it seemed to be round about the time of like the first of several explosions he get caught in when he miraculously just loses his eyebrows, but his hair yeah. still seemed to change. Unless I missed something, maybe so, it, I don't know if it was meant to imply that when he was doing the sort of surgery on himself in the mirror that he somehow maybe had to cut it. But he seemed his hair suddenly becomes a bit sort of spiky. Yeah, I, think it's it's, more like, I think it's more. I, I took it from the fact that it was. Um, singed, kind of almost like, do you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. just because he gets yeah. the car, the eyebrows come off and he gets singed because his face, his face does change. And I never really, I couldn't really pinpoint it. But obviously, realizing it now, it's like, he sort of burned, doesn't he? Like, like you said, it's the hair is singed. I think, I think, yeah, yeah it's like, I, I always took it's it a bit that's weird. What, that's what it was, but I think it's also just generally rotten away. <laughs> like, Would it not? It, like, uh... he just looks horribly like. <clears throat> Genuinely, you know, when when he's his hair is like that and his skin's all pallid, he looks like a walking corpse. Well, the yeah. the, the eyebrows, I actually think he looks more terrifying with the eyebrows off. Yeah, I yeah, would exactly. say so. And yeah. He's, he's shinier as well. I don't uh-huh. know. They obviously put like either Vaseline or something like that on him, but he's like he's he's very shiny in the second half of the film. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's totally meant to convey. Like, I mean, we've all seen bad meat. It has that sheen to it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just meant. He's yeah. It's it's hot. It's scary. It's really scary. Oh, it's Actually. terrifying. And it, and it's such a simple thing as just right. Take his eyebrows off, and now he be, now he now he's starting to kind of look less human. 
Uh-huh. Is it in more sort of this? Uh, it, it's uncanny valley. That's what it is. Yeah. It's that. That's why some CGI can creep people out. Like you know when it's not perfect. Like they've uncanny valley them up, and and it, that's a human. Like that's a very old human instinct is to detect an intruder. Like <laughs> to de- to detect someone who's not someone who's snuck in and who's not quite right. And you go, that's what that instinct comes from. Um, so that um, Terminator toward the end of the film is triggering that. That's where the horror comes from. It's like he's standing out more and more and more. And in fact, he's scarier like that than he is when he's just the robot. He's scarier when he's in that in-between stage, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, but, then, but then again, the robot is scarier in this film than it was in any of the others as well, because there's just this relentlessness to the to the Terminator. I mean, you could easily have called this film relentless, couldn't you? Because it's it's just a never like you think it's over and then it doesn't. It starts up again, and it, and you know what's interesting as well is um, it, I have a feeling this was intentional. But there's obviously when when the Terminator's chasing them down the road. Um, it's just this big black vehicle, isn't it? This big dark vehicle following them in the darkness or whatever. And um, there was all those urban legends of that in the States at the time in the 80s of dark roads where people would be chased by big trucks. That was a big thing that was going around in those those days. So I think they were I think they were uh, tying into that, that urban myth as well. It's got a kind um, of dual vibe, you know, Steven Spielberg's kind of first sort of mm. film that he made uh, the, yeah. yeah 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 for sure for sure the 80s was also like it seems like the era of big trucks doesn't it in films and action movies yeah uh-huh. they, they Absolutely. always will create fantastic explosions so I think that's why they're, they're yeah. going to you're always going to get the, a trucker scene the infamous oil tanker or yeah. like a liquid petroleum gas tanker you know but um, yeah I've noticed that in it Probably because um, thinking back to certainly in like Great Britain, the nineteen seventies, there was they didn't really have much like hugely impressive lorries. It was they were fairly run of the mill. So it's probably it's again it's like the similar to the kind of cars you were getting in the nineteen eighties. It's, it's it works. I mean, it's certainly in this film it it works very well. Though that those sort of things around in the settings. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, some of the other characters. Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor. Um, obviously, you know. She's introduced, and she's just life couldn't shit on you anymore, you know. <laughs> she is easily the worst waitress ever, and I just think I just think it's it's hilarious how they it's hilarious how they set that up, and she's coming in and she's chewing, chewing the gum. She's got the big volume as hair, and she's standing in front of these people that like we didn't order that. Well, who ordered that? And then it's like the boy puts the ice cream in. What does the guy say? It's like, um, should be tipping should, you, son, or something. Yeah. Should be tipping you. And she's just so dejected. She's just like, I hate my life. <laughs> and then, and then, obviously, the, our friend pulls her in and they're like, oh, Sarah, you got to see this. There's like, there's somebody going about killing Sarah Connors. <laughs> well, that like... point is just one, isn't it? So it's just a freak one. So, because uh, at that point, oh, I'm yeah. sure you're right. I was the first one. Here, here's a, here's a thing as well. How cool was the name? I think did they call him the phone book killer? Mm. Call him the phone book killer. The police officers. I think that's. I think even even that's like a cool idea for a. Maybe it's been done before, but I like I like the idea that he was he was known as the phone book killer. The one day pattern killer. Yeah, I like that. Hate the um, ones. But no, way, I, um, I, I, oh, sorry, sorry. No, go? I was going to say, I think, I think it's it's Cameron. I think for me, Cameron always he's always done it. He's always favoured the 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 sort of strong female story arc where it's you don't maybe not see Linda Hamilton in the um, the posters, etc. She's certainly not. She's not introduced as okay. She's going to be the the sort of main 
heroine of this film. Um, but Cameron's always written his, his female characters very well and they always have a kind of they always become the hero of the redemption you know you've got Ripley mm-hmm. obviously Sarah Connor um, even Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies is a similar story the kind of believable characters as well yeah yeah I think he's I think he's just he's, he's always he's always he's always done it he's always um, um, and you'll be pleased to know that the Terminator does pass the Bechtel test oh by the oh, so yeah, I, I was going to say in terms of my favourite characters in the film um, it was Paul Winfield and Lance Henriksen the, the police officers so the police lieutenant and the police officer that he hangs about with two of my favourites I know they don't appear that much but I, I, I really I, I love all the scenes with them and the you know the rest of the police and the, the, just the way they're totally obliterated but I like, I like the fact that you know I, I think Paul Winfield's but it's Ed Traxler's the police lieutenant I just love the way that like obviously when the attacks take place how they respond to it they just grab like what is it he gets this huge like magnum pistol mm-hmm. and he's just like that you ate here <laughs> and the, you know they, I think they were played really well and it's interesting because Lance Henriksen and Paul Winfield had bit, much bigger roles in other films, you know. Um, I think Lance Hendricks in addition to the Terminator as well. He was friends with Cameron, so he did some of the. To, for Cameron, used needed him to um, convince. I think was it Gail Ann Hurd, the producer, and a couple other people of, oh, of, of the idea. So yeah. Lance Hendricks was coming into meetings and pretending to be the Terminator and how they would mm. act it out and things like that. So he was like, "I'll give you a role, mate. Like you've helped me out to get mm. the thing." So. They are friends. Just, you know, I, I don't know how I've got onto this, right? But it's just a side note of something I noticed about the film, and and I think it was actually the police station that reminded me of this. You get a sense in the film that everybody's stressed out because it's so hot, right? Everybody's kind of like open collars, they're sweating, everybody's roasting. Uh, that's a little tactic in horror films as well. I noticed that particularly in um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the claustrophobic heat aspect. Um, See, I never, I never really got the. No, heat I never got that. Film. I got tiredness because it's so late. Yeah, I never, I never got like the yawning. Heat. Yeah, I, I got. Know, I, you, you get I heat from pre- Predator Two is easily the, the the one that you get from that because Danny Glover sweats. Oh, it's definitely more subtle in this in that film. But I never, yeah, I never, I never got the, I never got the heat thing. No. I kind of picked it up. I picked it up from the like. Uh, when he's in the apartment, like you said, the dead cat thing, like it's roasting. I just got this idea that it's it was warm, but again, I mean, it's not it's not like they're in a desert range, but Ellie is a warm place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, but um, yeah, that that sort of thing. But anyway, that's just a side note. But um, yeah, those two characters, I loved them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a great cast actually. I mean, I, you know, I mean, um, like Sarah's roommate and boyfriend. You know, you don't see them very much, but they're. Again, believable. Believe, everybody's a believable character in this. The boyfriend, is, yeah, Ginger's hilarious. Is just got, has to listen to her headphones even during, <laughs> even during sex. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the boyfriend as well is hilarious. His first introduction, and it's I, 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 I'm not sure what he says, but it's like he obviously starts by talking dirty, and he's like, "I'm going to take your clothes off." And blah, blah, blah. Sarah Connors off can hear him, but he's got absolutely no shame because when he realizes he's been rumbled by her. She passes the phone over to Ginger, and he just starts again. He's just like... <laughs> exactly <laughs> from the start, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the... There is a few of these, like, comic moments like that, which is it can be incredible to believe if you look at the film on a whole. Another one is, like, when Kyle Reese um, goes down some alleyway and you're the start, and he runs, the police are all chasing after him, and that tram's like, he took my pants! Yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> thing is, though, with, with a lot of the characters, what's really interesting about this film is that with a tiny amount of dialogue and a tiny amount of, of, of action for some of these characters, you get to see that they're three-dimensional. So, for example, 
Um, Matt, the boyfriend, you see him talking dirty like that. Be you know, you see his kind of daft side or whatever. And then when the Terminator comes, what does he do? He fucking stands well, up to the plate, doesn't he? You know, yeah. And, yeah, and he's you know, it's a fight to the death, really. You know, obviously he dies, but you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, don't like, make me bust you up, man. I know, well, that's <laughs> it. I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's like it's that sort of way where it's like, um, you know, that that's how how I I really rate this film highly in terms of believable characters because none of them behave in just one way you see lots of different sides even to to to, to side characters in this film it's amazing actually because if you if you look at how much we see matt you, you've got a, a decent idea of, of the kind of guy that matt is and he's hardly really there mm. you know so a lot of skill as, involved in that it's the same as lance hendrickson's character as well like you just get this idea that He's always he's always the guy that it's like trying to tell a story. He always tries to always tries yeah. to like, tell the story and elaborate and stuff. And the other cops just like shut up. Yeah, you get the sense they've been <laughs> years together and he's yeah. sick of hearing his stories. Yeah, yeah, I do love absolutely. Cops. Um, but no, I think that she's from... called no Vukovic or something. <laughs> I didn't know that until I looked up Wikipedia today. I don't remember it saying his name. Vukovic. And I get Punksley as well. Remember. Mm, oh, That's yeah. But no, I think um, I think going back to Linda Hamilton and Sarah Connor, I think I think her entire story arc and the way it's written is is brilliant. Um, yeah. Because it and as Steve said before, the way they introduce it, okay, we're we're introduced to her later on, but we get a lot of exposition when it's obviously Reese and Connor that do escape. They go to the the hotel room and stuff like that, and I think it's at that point where you're like, okay, so it's just she is really important here, you know. That's that's when the kind of stakes start to turn. Then, um, yeah, I think this, I think she's I think she's right. But the way it. you see her first, where it is just this almost sort of perfect suburban life. She leaves her apartment. She gets on that weird motorcycle thing. She signs yeah. in to her job as a waiter, yeah. sort of suburban downtown diner waitress. Mm-hmm. And when you consider that that kind of perfect suburban, very feminine character. Mm-hmm becomes and you you find out or you're you're led to believe throughout this film that she becomes this powerful mm. um almost legend it's incredible because they do reach that and then she does go through that arc and she is that mm. at the end so watching that i think is one of the most incredible parts of this film she you know, if, if it had been some sort of if the original character at the very start of the film had been some sort of tough yeah, I know. sort of tomboy kind of woman who became this this fighter that almost would have been too easy yeah this that's the way they, that's the way they do it yeah that's the way they do it nowadays sadly a lot of the time um whereas yeah. this this has this this journey um it's satisfying it's it, you know there's no point in having a payoff if you've already had the payoff at the start you, yeah, you, you know, but I think they've played with it in a really interesting way where with the time travel aspect, you've got someone who knows what she becomes coming back to her before she is that person and saying mm. this is, you know, and kind of revealing that and, and she can't believe it. She's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm never going to be like that. But, but at that point, neither can the audience because yeah, exactly. go, she can't be that. Yeah, and, and I, I think watch her turn into it. Yeah, and I think yep. the way that the way that they do it, Reese is basically talking to Sarah Connor, but essentially Sarah Connor is she is the audience mm-hmm. because yeah. because she even makes a statement to say my god if you actually think about that it could really hurt your head <laughs> and as an audience member you're kind of going yeah no shit sarah because the whole yeah. time travel thing is just bonkers like it's just yeah it's the time travel paradox it's a fantastic idea but it's obviously when you start to to try and analyze it and all the flaws it can bring it's where you, you would lose your head well i think i think in this film it was it's fine 
Right. When you introduce the other Terminators, bonkers. But I think in this one, resets up. He briefly kind of glosses over it, and I think it's done deliberately so they don't have to sit for 10 minutes explaining the, the fundamentals of time travel. But he essentially just goes, listen, blah, 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 alternative timelines, it's just a closed time loop. Right, let's move on. But you what know, he's saying is actually true, because, well, as far as science was aware at the time, that's the way it would, that's what would happen. There would the, be, there, there were certain, there were, like, uh, he's basically saying it's not a paradox in this case. <laughs> yeah, it's just a closed time loop. Yeah. Uh-huh. For me, I, I, I think it still opens up the fact that there was there an, was there an initial, Surely an initial timeline had to have happened before you can then go back in that timeline. Well, that that's where I take that's the, that's the, the, the time loop. Yes, yeah, so the but that time loop idea is revisited over and over again in the other films with this idea that it's like the chicken and the egg. There's the, hmm. you know going back in time. Skynet had to send the Terminator back in time for Skynet to be created. So that's the closed time loop. So there's the, there is no there's no origin point. Sky, you know, because um, you couldn't invent Skynet without the future technology, and the future technology couldn't exist without it being invented. So, mm. the, so it's a loop. Like there's, like it's a nightmare hell in a sense that nobody can get out of. Still begs the question of who. So, John Connor. I, I think it's, I think it's the whole who is John Connor's original dad. If Kyle Reese was at the time, can, how old is he meant to be at that fact? Is he, is he even born in '84 at that time? No, I think they, they, they mentioned that he was born that, after yeah. the start of the war. Yeah. He was born into it. He was born into the war. So, in fact, I'm getting confused with Genesis. Genesis, he's a young boy. Oh, that, 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 that's another loop. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, in, yeah. Terms of, in terms of, let's not talk about Genesis because that is like, that just confuses matters even more. But I think in terms of this, it is still confusing because if Reese wasn't, if Reese wasn't born in that time, who, who is who was who was John Connor's dad? Yeah, and if it's kind of saved by the fact that John Connor was conceived by recent Connor, it's like, but that's not really John Connor. If he wasn't originally his dad, he would be a totally different person. So, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was even thinking at first, does this mean originally Kel Reese was always his dad, and he was just sort of like getting well, that's her the to the point she believed in everything before he. Ex- sort of like explain that if you like it's... well that is the closed time look because Kyle Reese is always John Connor's dad but if you if you want to kind of go delve into it deeper it's like well again surely a surely a timeline had to have happened an initial timeline had to have happened for them to get to the point in the future in order to go back I think I think that's where no, they but that, of... no that that's the paradox yeah that, that... was just to say that is the crux yeah. of the whole paradox thing it doesn't it doesn't work on a linear sense. Mm. Uh-huh. There's there's no way out. There's no way to start it. There's no way to end yeah, it. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Um, and yes, we're all now at the point where we're scratching our heads trying to analyse it, yes. like she said in the film. <laughs> <laughs> this is really confusing. Yeah. Uh, it's great, like, the, the lines they use to... Because it is really heavy concepts this film's dealing with mm. and probably relatively normal for a mass audience viewing um the sort of this sort of idea of the time travel thing and but also it's done in a way where he's he's explaining these terms and she's just got to take it on and she's questioning it, half believing it but then half like you're fucking nuts by the way the the only way that it could have happened and this is the thing with today's scientific knowledge would be if a skynet um, existed in an alternate reality where it sent back um, a Terminator in time um, to try and take over the world earlier 
which then encountered them. That's the only way that it could take place, where if um, somehow Kyle Reese was sent back in time to stop it and then by chance encountered her and then kicked the loop off. Mm. That's the only way that it could take place. But yeah, I mean, we could we could we could rename this the Quantum Physics Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, other people oh, might yeah. have thought this as well. I mean, I I instantly started thinking of Back to the Future when it started getting into the time tra- time travel side of things. But I wonder. I'm pretty sure the first Back to the Future was a year after this. So I wonder if that was a bit of an influence for. Zemeckis and all all the people behind the making of that film. I suspect so. I suspect. I mean, probably they were might have been in production at this point. So, but the scripts mm. would have been passed about over the years, and they've probably yeah, there so. uh-huh. there would have been time travel as a as a as a thing, you know, because Star Trek Four came out nineteen eighty nineteen eighty six, I think it was. That's a time travel story as well. So time travel was sort of in vogue. Yeah, at the time. I- Okay, I can't remember if we've is that our all thoughts on the time travel. Is there any more <laughs> time travel thoughts before we move on? I like the fact that they use that the method they used to explain that. I, I, I missed a chunk, so this may have come up already. But the the way that they the method they used to explain the whole time travel thing was in the form of Kyle being questioned by oh, yeah, uh, a criminal psychologist yeah. who clearly believed that he was insane. So it was yeah. it was. They explained from a perspective of this is bollocks. This is this guy's an absolute nutcase. That's great. Rather than it trying to, it, I think the the usual trope would be someone trying to convince. I don't. Know, it, it would. It feels like it would be. It, they would try to explain it in a more sort of. Well, they could have done it. Have like so. A lot of the film is explained to her because she's the audience. But they take yeah. a while and decide not to tell you all. And then the you like you've pointed it out. That's really like. The rest of the information is all like given to us through those interviews, and obviously from the point of as you say, like the like he he comes across like a complete psychopath. <laughs> yeah, and the way that the the fact that as you mentioned, Sarah Connor is effectively the audience. We all know that what he's saying is true, and uh-huh. to an extent, so does she. But everyone else around her thinks he's nuts, and you you do get that feeling of not being believed. You're you're kind of in there going, no, no, it's right, he's right, he's telling he's the right. truth. Yeah, and, and it, it really it really oh, ramps sorry, up the intensity. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was just um, what's interesting is the whole idea of them traveling back in time and they can't bring anything but their own body, so there's no way to prove it. Uh-huh. There's no way to actually say. Yeah, like that's because um, they're obviously looking for the killers, uh, the killer of all these people, and they assume it's him. And obviously, like the 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 doctor says, like, see, this is genius. He doesn't even need a shred of proof for this story. Like, it's nonsense. Yeah. Oh, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that, right? So the Terminator reduced down to just its robotic form is literally a machine, right? With like moving parts. Oh, are you going to say that? Why can it come through with skin and hair if that's not like its organic form or something? Well, why don't they just why don't they just wrap a fucking laser gun in flesh? <laughs> or stick it up somewhere? Stick it up his arse. Like, the T-800s, <laughs> the, the models weren't as... I mean, what we saw at the start of the film, that could be a weapon, yeah. It's literally the same thing. They've, li- they've literally just shoved a robot inside a big Austrian guy and <laughs> What I want to know is why they were programmed to work all sorts of machinery from 40 years ago. I guess it worked because it, it helped them fit in, but he never struggles yeah. with working any vehicle. He, he gets into it straight away. Like Some people, it takes a while to get the clutch going and get used to the biting point and things like that. Like There's no yeah. point where he's sitting like <laughs> <Straight away. laughs> getting used to it. Stalling it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think that he is um, his CPU is equipped with uh, you <laughs> yeah. know that kind of knowledge. What um, I love as well, though, that he goes into the gun shop and he's the you know he's diplomatic. That's brilliant. He obviously yeah, doesn't see brilliant. this guy as an ob- obvious threat. He's not going to kill mm-hmm. him unless he has to. So he's actually just like a normal customer. Like, Take what you see, pal. Who's your nine millimeter? <laughs> you know your guns. Like, you know your guns, pal. <laughs> and that's, it feels like that's an indictment of America as well. Like that scene feels mm. like it's commentary on the sort of yeah. the ease of of obtaining guns and ammunition. Well, that's the thing because the shop owner's kind of like, hey, just what you see, pal. Yeah, you know, he's just kind of like, ah, you can buy all of this as long as you're paying me. Yeah, um, and then obviously you get the yeah. you can't do that. Well, uh, it's good. Great scene. I like it. I mean, I, I, so we'll talk about Michael Bean. Uh, I don't know if we've specifically spoke, focused on him as much as the other kind of lead character, I guess, if it's a trifecta or, or however you would look at it. Again, I think he's, you know, fantastic. And I, and this is probably the film that kind of put him on the on the map, really, as the as the 80s action star. What was our thought? He, prob- he, probably, he probably should have had a better career. Yeah. I think he's really... Great. I love his intensity. He gets you on his side. That obviously that whole part about being integrated by the police. I love the whole idea of it's just me against him. Mm-hmm. And it's like you know, you just know that that police station is going to get attacked pretty soon. It's it's great. Um, so the contrast yeah, I think... between I was going to say it's like the contrast between Terminator and Kyle Reese are so different. Like the Terminator just strolls on up to the punks, gets the clothes, everything's so easy, Ozzy. Yeah. But Kyle Reese is like, he's going through the mill here. Like, he's put down clearly physically. Um, He's got scars on his back. You know, he's been through the mill even in the future. Um, And it looks as if the, the time travel takes it out of him because he's like, you know, he's like sweating, heavy breathing and stuff. He's just constantly chasing on the run um, having nightmares when he's sleeping. The guy is probably so drained, um, but he's got to go and <laughs> he's got to go and protect Sarah Connor from this Terminator. I think I think you're right, Gordon. I think his intensity, but and 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 his focus as well. He always just seems so focused, even in the even in the scene when it's just the two of them and the um the the Mattel um and Linda Hamilton's asking him some questions about like the future and stuff. He's He's, he, you can tell that he just does not want to let his guard down, and he's actually, he's actually annoyed at himself when he when he does. Yeah, I love um, that that scene where she asks about women. He's like, "Good fighters." Good fighters. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously <laughs> not meaning in that sense. Uh, he's like only I, like I, in I, a militaristic I, kind of way. I, I, think it, I, I took it as well as that he's is like you know she's just kind of like laughing at him because he's like a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's, so there's no women in the future then yeah. nah, nah. and say? it's also a bit well the likes of that it's an example where like sometimes he only has to have the most minimalist dialogue and mm. that's all you need really which is another thing that's really good I, I think um, Michael Bien maybe should have had more bigger roles I think it, from what I hear he was quite devoted to Cameron's films but um, yeah I mean Steve you mentioned obviously Bill Paxson is a tiny role and you think you know like he would you know, probably have been could have been a much more prolific actor than him. Um, well, maybe he was, but I just think of him more in the sense of he could have done more starring roles. Like he seems to be most well known for this film. Who's that? Michael Bien. Uh, yeah, more more than anything, it seems to be 
it seems I think he was in the abyss as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think in terms of James Cameron films, they are the biggest he's probably done. The Rock potentially. Um, Aliens. It's not a big role he has in The Rock. He's really good in The Rock, but he is. No, he is. Uh, but no, Steve, what I meant is out with uh, James Cameron films, like The Rock was oh. probably the best. Uh, Tombstone, I think he was in. Is he in Tombstone? Yeah, he was in Tombstone. Um, but he has le- s- leading ma- man status in this film as much as well. Yeah. That's leading hero. There's the star as the as the villain, really. But um, he's almost equal to him, and that's that kind of thing as well. And he he looks fantastic. I think like when he comes out, as much as he's got a slighter frame uh, than Schwarzenegger, which is effective for you know that means you know that the Terminator is the one to fear. Um, mm. But it's, it's his intensity, the way he delivers the dialogue, I think, is is incredible. Um, do you really believe that he has been through the mill? Like, you really believe that he is almost a, kind of a PTSD kind of thing going on from his experiences? I was his wits end, and, then it, and again, it accelerates it even more when he gets, he's been, like, in the tunnel scene, and Sarah, uh, Sarah Connor actually has to tell him like knockout, he's about to start shooting at the police. Oh yeah, she's, she's got to say knockout, they'll, they'll kill you, they'll shoot you. Yeah, like he doesn't understand it, how it works. He doesn't understand. He's kind of like, but but we are trying to run away from a Terminator. I've got to save you, and she's like, no, 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 no. We need to, this. Kind of needs to happen. And I think he definitely gets his frustration when he's getting quizzed because he's obviously thinking, guys, I'm trying to save the fucking end of the world here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And again, it's just that intensity. But from a police perspective. You kind of get their point of view because it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And this is obviously when you get introduced to Dr. Uh, Silberman. Mm-hmm. Is that how you know it? It's not Silberman, yeah. it's Silberman. It was a B, um, yeah. And um, he's obviously, he just comes in and it's like, yeah, he's a he's a nut job. Yeah, he's great. I like him. It's, it's what, yeah. I think one... that, the re- that intensity and that desperation that he's got, I think is potentially the reason, sticking with Michael Bain, the reason why the sort of declaration of love in the motel is the one part of the film I think that kind of jarred with me because it's it feels so out of place with the rest of his demeanour and his dialogue throughout the rest of the film Ah, interesting. it, it kind of injected it, it almost felt a bit like I mean I can see why they had to do it because they had to then set up the idea the, the that he was his dad yeah and that is obviously the, the legend sort of going forwards but I, there was something about that dialogue and the way that just kind of Happened very randomly. That it kind of jarred me. We go. I'm. I'm not. It. It just feels a bit out of place. Uh, for me, for me, I read it as this guy is so intense that he's the kind of guy that he fell in love with a photograph. Like he fell yeah. in love with yeah. this picture, and he's created an image of her. And he, yeah, he's he doesn't yeah, know he's... how to really convey it, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the best he does. And again, from a film point of view, the film is a fast paced film. It has to get its message and point across very quickly. And I guess yeah. that's the the reason for it. They could have maybe had a bunch more scenes where you see more chemistry coming through, and it's a bit more subtle. But I think for the type of film it is, it gets away with that kind of cheese of "I came across time for you, Sarah." Like that's mm. the kind of line I believe he would say because he is that kind of intense, and he isn't very like he doesn't realize how I guess to our modern audience that's quite a cheesy line. Yeah, very. It was. It, it did feel very common. I, you're right. They could have dropped even maybe slighter sort of subtle hints but I mean I suppose you've got the moment where he's looking at the photograph 
when they do the the flash flash forward flash back flash forward yeah. you where you kind of get an idea of maybe but you you still get the idea that he's looking at is this kind of this is what I need to protect rather than I I I love this photo of my mate's mum. That's fucked up. I mean, that's not the best That is so fucking awkward, man. I wish they put that in the <laughs> Very interesting. Could you, could you imagine it's like if it, you know, and even in the, in the later Terminators, when it gets to, when they actually bring it up, the fact that John Connor is speaking to Kyle Reese and sending him back, it's like, he doesn't tell good. Kyle Reese doesn't know he's, he's John Connor's dad at that point. Uh, I can kind of get where Steve's coming from, though, in terms of it, if you'd say that it does feel slightly shoehorned, because I don't feel that so much in my, like, this viewing, the previous one I did a little bit, but, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Hmm. I think yeah. Brad, I think Brad Fido basically said, listen, James, I've recorded the theme song on a piano and it sounds fucking sexy and romantic. <laughs> yeah. we, we, need a, we need to get a love scene in here. Um, and it's so funny on the on the Terminator uh, soundtrack. It's actually titled "Love Scene." That's the that's the name of the song. Yeah, I was um, going to say there is those films like you think of Speed, for example, where and Fran mentioned before in a podcast. It's it's one of these situations like rather than there been real real chemistry building up, traumatic events have brought the two characters together. I I don't think I go. I, don't, I I'm probably with Steve Barry on this. Is that I, I think the it never jarred. I understood it probably had to happen. Um, does it feel shoehorned in? I'm not really, I'm not really sure I got that. I kind of just got the impression that Reese is still trying to be focused, but in a moment he lets his guard down and he, he, he is vulnerable and he's actually frustrated that he is vulnerable. But then obviously when Sarah Connor comes over and like tries to kind of, you know, she's the one that kind of instigates it, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah. She? Yeah, I don't think personally it's shoehorned in. I, I mean, what I was trying to say was like, I think probably my previous viewing or maybe the one before that, if there was one, I thought that then, but I bought into it more this time. But my, my point is really just like, I, I can see why Steve might think that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was less a shoehorn, more kind of jarring, because um, it, it went from this intense um, mm. action thriller to suddenly you're in a love scene. But I, I, with the speed of the film, I think you're absolutely right. And the pacing of it, it did kind of, I can see that reading of him dropping his guard, actually. That's, as a, a sort of coming at it from a different angle, I can actually see that. And that mm. maybe kind of explains it a bit better. And I guess my, 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 my viewing as a kid obviously didn't have the love scene, so I didn't have that jarring. <laughs> <laughs> Circles are kind of Virgin Mary type. <laughs> yeah. Key plot point missed, uh, so it didn't, didn't make a lick of sense for me. When it, it yeah, imagine an opposite tape that was just the text of all the movies <laughs> put together into one operation. Yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Thanks, Dad. Oh, that's brilliant. Sarah Connor, then then you've got Rose and Titanic <laughs> in the car. You know, maybe like one of your French girls, Jacks. Uh, one, one thing though, um, Cameron was not afraid to do was to make you buy into a character. And um, if you look at Kyle Reese, if you look at even for example the police chief, it's like um, make, making very likable characters, but then killing them off. Um, like yeah. which he did with both of them. I mean, Kyle Reese been the main one. He was kind of like the, well, 
I suppose Sarah Connor was the main protagonist of the film, then maybe him, but the way he died as well was really, not so much the way he died, but the way um, Sarah, towards the end, turns round his body, thinking he might still be alive, and his eyes are still wide open, and it's uh, it's just the the way he looks, like just the sudden shock of that is just um, really, really makes you sit up and... You don't feel safe with this film. Like yeah. the, the, yeah. it tells you early on that uh, innocence will die. Uh, mm. You know, Sarah's friend, her best friend, her boyfriend, and, and a random woman who just happens to have the same bloody name mm. is murdered in cold blood. And also, she, yeah. it hits the shot to shit. That yeah. girl, by the way, like, like I didn't, I, like I didn't bullets or something. I just, he just and he, he shoots her. I think in the original tape that I saw, it was just the one bullet, and that was it. But in this one, it's like he 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 puts about five bullets in her head. Yeah. It's like fucking hell, man. That's yeah, it's ultra violent. But yeah. if somebody um if somebody dies like slowly falling to sleep, like a, a Yoda type thing, you know that's one thing. But for them to suddenly just like to suddenly turn over their body and see they're gone, their eyes are still wide open. Like something really hit me about that. It also infers that he's killed her mum, and she never. He, there's no point in the film where she learns that. Oh, the Terminator, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, obviously, he, he, it, yeah. like he impersonates usually people, I think, I don't know if it's yeah. actually in this film, that that might be, um, it's the second film that does that more, where he want, he can impersonate, but he's obviously impersonating her mum, but you see a bullet through the window, don't you? Yeah, yeah. that sent a chill through my spine, because to me, you know that he has murdered yeah. her mum. And she that never, is... the film doesn't let her have a moment to, to find out, first of all, but to mm. even grieve, really. That is terrifying when he you can tell you you know that he can change his voice and stuff like that, but it's like wow, that's that's then how he knows that at the Mattel. Um, a nice twist as well because yeah. you think that she's just talking to her mum on the phone. It's when it cuts so, away with the, the change in the music and the ominous camera linger as it pans across yeah. the room, and you realise something is off of this scene. Yeah. <clears throat> Very. And then good. when it when then when it bursts in, it's like bugger, 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 bugger. Yeah. the music comes back again. Yeah, um, I love it. No, it's, and it's interesting that the Terminator kind of he's although he is this this you know he's most of the time he's portrayed as this unstoppable killing machine, but like very smart, you know, realizes that they got away, but then it's kind of like right, well, he he does a bit of investigative work, so manages to somehow get to Sarah Connor's mum's house and then just wait for her to call. So it's it's smart how it's you know it's not just this. You know, brute force thing. Yeah, like yeah. how long was he waiting? Like five hours? Yeah, so like, it's like put like, the TV on and things like that. Yeah, it's kind of like, like, okay, so I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get Sarah Connor. I'm going to wait. You know, I'm going to wait this out type thing. And there's a chilling realism and panic sets in. Not only you know that to me, you know that he's he's killed her mother, but also it's the fact that he instantly knows where she is. You yeah. thought she was safe. Now she's not. You know that happens a few times in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And then it becomes very fast paced again. It's really well done, and yeah, it's just it's just one of so many um, scenes or parts of the film. You you get a real shiver down your spine. It's brilliantly done. I would say that my fo- I would let's focus right on that whole police shootout section, which I love. It's one of my favourite bits, which really shows the 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 unstoppable nature of this Terminator character. Um, the the idea that you could just go into an American police station and kill all of the cops is insane. It's only the sort of thing you would do in a Grand Theft Auto game. Well, he, he, so here's the thing, right, and I said to you, Steve, like off, off cast this, 
it's so funny how he walks up to the front desk, right? And, you know, the Terminator is as obviously unstoppable. He can burst through concrete walls and all that kind of stuff, right? He's met with a wooden desk and some glass and one guy. And it's like, I think you mentioned it, Steve, that he, he tries to be diplomatic at this point and he's just kind of saying, Oh, it's Sarah Connor here. I'd like to talk to her. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I'm a friend of Connor. He's made with the stupidest cop of all time as well. He doesn't seem in the slightest bit suspicious. Like, I know. I this paperwork. <laughs> like, Aye. the idea that, that, that this is a person who has been hunted because of her name, and suddenly there's a, yeah. a suspicious man with shades on at night time asking <laughs> to see Sarah Connor. <laughs> this fucking man mountain Austrian guy just walks in asking for and this cop's just like, ah, you know, it's so funny. And then obviously the Terminator's just like, do you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going to drive this car right through this guy. It's hilarious. I love the idea. He's obviously done some sort of like, statistical analysis before getting there. Mm. He's obviously worked out, well, the best way is to try and use diplomacy. Obviously, the yeah. guy rejects him, so then he goes to the next code, which is just, <laughs> like, just, try look, up <laughs> just look up the the, 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 the the parameter of the room, get the, the sort of physics of the room, make sure can yeah. the car go through that structure. Like, Yeah, and in this, in this era, you're, you're getting pretty much the real deal there. A car driving into something of a structure, a dummy with a police uniform, but I say I mean literally, like obviously they had a dummy of the police receptionist as the car drives in to make it look as real yeah. as possible. So obviously that's before you would get, you know, CGI interference. Yeah, it does look like the the puppetry. I don't know if he's noticed, but it's clearly a puppet when the the car hits the the police officer. Like Once it, you know, yeah, yeah it does look yeah. Once you but know, that, like you wouldn't get out of your head, probably. Yeah, but that um, that kicks off, like Steve said, that kicks off easily the 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 best scene, um, because even all these cops will the guns and the the body armor that the 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 cop can assist to Sarah Connor, like it's like this keeps you safe, all that kind of stuff. It's like this guy just tears through this police department like nobody's business, and he's dual wielding the the sort of shotgun and the machine gun, and it's just like. My God, this is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. It's the and way he looks pissed off every time someone takes a shot at him. He always turns around and oh, for fuck's oh, sake. Yeah. Bang. Well, yeah. Back around again, someone else goes for it. Well, God, that's, not another that's, one. Bang. That's what I took from when he shoots the... Um, a, Paul Winfield. He shoots, ah, he shoots Paul Winfield, and then when Henrik, it, it, Schwarzenegger kind of turns around and when Hendrickson jumps out, he starts to shoot him. Schwarzenegger's kind of response is, it almost feels like... <sighs> and then he turns around again and just wastes um, Henriksen. Like, that's the thing with the film as well. Again, you spotted it earlier when you were saying that um, the film gets you to like certain characters before it wastes mm. them like any other anonymous person. Like, that's the yeah. thing. You've you've got to know these characters. They've had multiple scenes that, that you know, you really like those two cops. And then they become just grunts. They get wasted, like, in a split second, like yeah. all the other police officers. It's, it's terrific, yeah. It's <laughs> great yeah, scene. Um, and I, yeah, one of, one of my favourites. What is that noise? That definitely wasn't Sorry, I was in silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one of the one of the greats. Um, right, okay. Uh, we're coming to mostly the end. I guess we can talk about the ending then. Um, and and I suppose we can't really not talk about the ending without going into the Stan Winston kind of stop motion. Uh, effects because I think for me as much as I love nearly every single aspect of this film that's the point that 
takes you out of it a little. It's dated to to comic effect almost at certain points. Uh, what was your guys' thoughts, Steve? I, I, I oh, sorry, agree. Fan. Sorry, sorry, I, I jumped in. I just That's okay. to say, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think you know if there ever was a film that that was crying out for an ever so slight tweak, yeah, it's this because I think that. You could nowadays. You could. I mean, you you've seen it in Mandalorian, for instance, where they've um, CGI droids in that look kind of mechanical. They look they look a bit like you know they're they're actually there and they're kind of kind of mm. waddling about. But you could do it in such a way with this that you could make the Terminator itself look quite robotic and 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 keep those scenes one hundred percent faithful to what they were. Not overdo it. Not just. I'm talking like literally just replace that model in, in the scenes and make it do exactly what it's doing yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's strange because i think when you do sw- it's it's mainly just the when he when he bursts out of the flames and then when he's obviously walking down the corridor or he's chasing you kind of see the, the the door and they're closing the door but see when they actually get into the the sort of like factory or whatever yeah it yep. changes to like the the puppet of the terminal. I think it looks so much better. Exactly. So yeah. so th- those bits wouldn't even have to be changed. I mean, yeah. I'm talking just like a couple of bits. Yeah, that's it. Just, I know what you mean. Just tight, slightly tighten it up. I reckon the film would be perfection. Then, like there would be, you know, yeah. with, with those bits believable, it would just be. It would it would truly. I always ascend. thought. I always thought that they they got the sizes wrong. I always thought when it goes to stop motion, the Terminator seems huge. Um, even walking down the, the corridor, and even when he stands out from the flames, he always seemed as if he was gigantic or he had grown in size for whatever reason. Um, I suspect you kind of need that, though, even though it doesn't make any logical sense. But maybe because the model, the, there's an element of menace to it in that kind of skull-looking thing, but it kind of does mm. look a bit frail, and it doesn't have this quite the same impact that the the model that Arnold Schwarzenegger has. So I think maybe to 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 kind of compensate for that maybe they do have to sort of enlarge them a little um so that Possibly. in your head yeah. it's a little more menacing than it might have came across if you made it the actual size and in the impact of that big i mean we can assume it must have been some kind of oil tanker maybe some more explosive liquid petroleum gas or something but when that tank it explodes causing essentially the the human facade to disappear of the terminator and then the the mechanical inner Terminator appears. Um, uh, I don't even know if, like, is that is that possible really with that sort of like the whole metallic? Would it still come out, be together first of all, and then still function? Probably the same not. Explosion. Well, he is. Well, he is, he is injured. <laughs> the, 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 he's got one of his legs is obviously yeah. been blown up. Or I don't know if it's maybe because of the when he gets hit with the the oil tanker. That's a brilliant scene, by the way. Like that scene is so good. See when he grabs onto the bottom of the truck, but he's like you can see the Terminator getting like proper beat up under that yeah. uh, under that truck. Like it's really good. So uh, the, the Terminator clearly has sustained injury to his leg. Obviously that's why he's kind of dragging it um, towards the end. But I guess it depends what it's made of. I suppose if it's just if it's fine. You can make it. Head cannon can convince you that in the future yeah. they have some sort of fireproof kind of yeah me- metal that yeah. it's 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 maybe not going to show as charred or whatever. But um, it wasn't something that I kind of was like, mm, why why is he not charred? You know what I mean? I don't think it's anything like that. I understood why the the flesh melted off. I suppose I can't remember if it's if it's in the final battle or maybe not long before then. But you were talking about the there's scenes where the stop motion is very very obvious. If you try and take your mind off, like, 
at the stop motion movement looking quite fake. I think it's quite a terrifying scene when the like the essentially the metal skeleton Terminator is like is chasing them into a route. I think one of you might have mentioned it and they close the door at the last set. You just see it getting closer and closer and closer yeah. and then the doors close. Like that's quite a, a scary kind of scene. Uh, yeah. That's definitely the horror element of the film is in full force at that point. Especially the whole like, you know, the Halloween films he keeps coming back. You think you've killed him, mm-hmm. he comes back. You think you've got him again, he has one final attempt. That's the, the, the film definitely it shows its hand as a horror film in that final stretch. And I think that scene is when Sarah Connor, she she then starts to become the the great military leader that she's she's sort of you know earmarked to be because yeah. that's the great the great line that she's got is that on your feet soldier on your feet because Kyle Reese is done yeah. he is he is broken um and she obviously she it, it, again brilliant writing the way Cameron does it changes the dynamic so now it's her and as Gordon said when you see Kyle Reese dead you kind of think my God like where's this going to go it's it's just Sarah Connor now. And it's it's hard versus the machine type thing. Really, really done so well. Yeah, yeah. I think the best part though is it's one of the best parts of the film. And by this point, they must have been using the stop motion. No, sorry, using the animatronics. No, I'm I'm still in Jurassic Park mode, guys. Sorry. <laughs> the um <laughs> the mechanical side of things rather than the stop motion is when she realizes he's dead. They pan the camera to the side on angle where you just see out of focus the sort of what she perceives to be the the Terminator killed and crumpled you just see the Terminator slowly rising that sudden change in the music it's like this kind of shock music like John Williams did so well yeah for example uh, just coming out like that is that is so profound what did you think yeah when she when she presses the button what did you think of the kind of the sort of kick-ass line that you would maybe expect Schwarzenegger to be saying, you know, you're terminated motherfucker. The film is a product of its time. I like it. It's, you know, you gotta have a line like that. It's cheesy as hell now and you couldn't get away with that now, but for its time. Yeah, it's one of I, these moments though, like, sorry Steve, on you go. I was gonna say, I agree, they, they totally get away with it. It is cheesy as hell, but actually mm. in that context, you can imagine a cinema full of people throwing their fists in there going, yeah, yes, yeah. get yeah. it. It yeah. works, it really think, does work. And it's, I think in, in reality, just the way that Sarah Connor was like portrayed at the start, I would imagine like she'd be like, oh my god, is this button going to work? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, is this going to work? What's what is this? He's going to get you know. That's the kind of what I imagine it to be like. But then it's just again, it's like part of the you know. She's totally changed as the arc. It's um yeah, I, I did like it. I did like it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking of that moment, like if you're in in real a real panicky situation, adrenaline kicks in. Sometimes you might behave a bit differently from usual. So if I like, I can kind of, I can kind of buy that somebody might actually say something. Um, like a sort of one-liner or something, just something a bit kind of out of characters, like as if they lose themselves yeah, for a moment. Absolutely. So it works. Yeah, it works. totally. I, I'm yeah. with you on that. And I think, considering what she's been through, I think she she's earned that fucking your <laughs> motherfucker line. Uh, yeah, yeah. But she doesn't hear, but, but she can't even see the button. What I'm saying is, is that she, she can't even see. Oh, the she button, just she just it? knew that button would work. She just like, knew I, the button would work. I didn't think then. that. I was like, wow. <laughs> Like the confidence of her pressing that specific button to kind of say the line, you know what I mean? Imagine she pressed it and the fucking the gates opened. <laughs> <laughs> but it fell in her. Aye. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'm glad they, they didn't do that. Uh, the comic effect <laughs> might be a bit bad, but uh, yeah, no, it's a class. It's a classic line, and I think um, yeah, it's it's definitely the product of its time. It, it gets away with it. Um, right, I think. Is there anything more you guys want to discuss on this film before we get to the ratings? Yeah, I think not. Okie dokie. Uh, right. Well, I guess I'll start with myself this time, since I chose this film. And it's probably no surprise, I'm giving it a five stars. This is one of my all-time favourites. It's a film that I can watch this film... You know, this is the type of film, Fran, you always talk about when you, you've had a few drinks and you just want to put a, a film you know on. This is the kind of film I go to. This and Aliens yeah. are my kind of go-to, like... Just I want to watch something that's thrilling, got pace to it. I know the film. I don't have to work to to think what's going on. It's very familiar, and it just it's escapism, and it's so effective in what it does. The horror element is, I think, uh, one of its main strengths. I think even over its, sequ- its sequel, which a lot of people would argue is better, and performances all round are amazing. Casting is fantastic. Schwarzenegger should be a villain more. I think he is incredible. Linda Hamilton is and is fantastic as well. Her arc and uh, her performances is one of my favourites. And again, well, I think that continues into the second one. And Michael Bean as well, intense and just James Cameron. Uh, I think hit this one out the park. It is an absolute stone cold classic and it's uh, you can see why it endures these nearly 40 years later it still works for me apart from the odd little moment of like we just spoke about the stop motion definitely is where it's dated and a little in some of the music as much as that most of the music has charm for me like i actually give it a pass on most of it but there's a couple of moments we spoke about that definitely uh age it so but other than that it's like a fantastic film great dialogue great action great vibe great scary film and yeah five star classic for me scott over yourself yeah five star for me i think it, i mentioned it at the start of the the film the main at the start of the film sorry the start of the podcast um the main theme for me is just iconic it was it's an iconic movie it was james cameron's first main f- film and again you still say that yeah, in terms of the genre, it is iconic. Yeah. Schwarzenegger's first main film role, really. I suppose he was Conan in previous stuff, but for him, this was the film that propelled him into just global stardom. Um, so, yeah, I think echoing most of the stuff that you've said, few few sort of jarring moments, and I get it, but and there's a couple of things that's probably just because it's a product of its time. Um, but no, it's a it's a... It's a five-star iconic film um, that will probably still be, that will hold up in 2029 when yeah. Judgment Day will have happened. Oh, that's a positive cheery end to the podcast, yep. <laughs> uh, Fran? Um, yeah, other than the stop motion, I really don't have any any complaints about this film. I think I think it's, uh, you know, these are the films that are the hardest to sum up, to sum up because it's, it feels like you're saying, yeah, I just I just love it. I think it's I think it's a a perfect piece of film, really. Apart from maybe one aspect, I'm going to give it five out of five. It's hard to say much else, really. Um, I think I think this film I would give it a five out of five as a, a you know, and it's very much on its own. As a, I'm looking at it as a standalone, not as the birth of a franchise. Yeah, same. I'm just looking at it and saying this this film it's um, an exercise in minimalism. It's uh, it's fast, it's efficient, 
the characterization is incredible. You, I've mentioned that quite a bit. The the fact that you get to know the the nature of a character with hardly any material to play with. Yeah. Um. Yep. I I I think it's it's it will always be up there in my mind. Like say I had a top top fifty top hundred films list or whatever. This would be on there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Gordon. It's a five out of five for me, Mister Barry. Terminator is a hugely exciting thriller. It's uh, it's also a very tense and compelling horror movie, which was part of the excitement of it that I forgot and I really got in this viewing. I think every time I ask questions of the movie, it answers them. Um, there's very little to criticise. Um, so that's what I mean. Is like I'm looking for things to criticise on. I ask, like, for example, why do they time travel back naked and it, there's an answer to that and it's yeah. like fine i totally buy that um you know i like the whole idea of it. it's just him and me and it almost becomes like that um reese against terminator sarah connor takes over i thought it was really well done the way she went from being an ordinary girl in the space of about two days to becoming there were shades of her becoming the soldier yeah and that the the line came back Reset her, say you're stronger than you thought you could be. I think that was all really well handled. Great performances from Linda Hamilton, Schwarzenegger, Michael Biehn. Um, I loved the when it did have flash forwards to 2029 or whenever it was. Live absolutely living in hell. This is like your definition of hell. Everything you saw. Um, again, the horror elements just such a big thing to me. The torso of the Terminator coming back to life at the end. I enjoyed the simple but efficient music. By um by Brad Fido as well. Um, like I said, there's very little to criticize. I really had to like reach for things. I think um yeah, the stop motion it doesn't look great at certain bits, but then on the other hand, I think how could they have done it in 1984? Maybe yeah. they could have done a bit more of the mechanical side of things, but it's difficult because you didn't have CGI back then. Um, I mean maybe a bit more obvious than that. Like there's there's a a bit. I think at the very last scene, it looked to me like a big matte painting. I don't so, I think know so is. much if that's the quality yeah, of the DVD. Yeah, yeah. Um, not so good. I, d- I thought, why? How did they have to have to do that? Um, you know, right at the very end. So let's forget about that. But like, and then I suppose you've got, for example, when when the real gory scene when the Terminator is like removing his eye, that you can see clearly it's a dummy. A couple of points, you know. But we can forgive the film of these things at the end of the day. Like I said, I'm kind of reaching for things. I think there is bits you question, like how can you alter the course of the history? Would this not happen? Would that not happen? Yeah. Um, so it's minor things. It's it's just it's a quite rightly a iconic movie and um, a must-see Schwarzenegger movie. Yep, yep. Couldn't say it better myself. And Steve? I'm going four out of five for this one. Oh, so, get him off, get him off. <laughs> yeah, start throwing the wrong tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sci-fi and horror isn't generally my bag, but I can completely see why this is pretty much right at the top of the examples of, you know, the, the sort of shining lights of what a, a horror or a sci-fi film in particular should be. Arnold Schwarzenegger's incredible. How incredibly menacing and terrifying he is with such little dialogue, first of all, shows the sign of a great actor because it is all in the movement and the face and the body and the um, expressions. Yeah. But also, to an extent, the the writing or lack thereof, the way that the film is... Uh, this, the cinematography really has a chance to almost sort of create its own script, to be the script, because there's so little words, there's so little dialogue, so few words. I, I find that aspect of the film absolutely mind-blowingly brilliant. That is 
I think, genius. Linda Hamilton is incredible. The arc that she goes on for such an unbelievable story to give a character such a completely believable backstory and arc, yeah. again, I find really clever. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about a story about robots coming back from the future, or cyborgs <laughs> coming back from the future, having fought a nuclear war. It's so completely beyond the realms of possibility. But yet yeah, you're watching these characters going, yeah, that, that's that's plausible. That could happen. Yeah. And I, again, I think that's really clever. And same with Michael Bean, I think, as a sort of uh, hero or whatever, the way that him and Arnold Schwarzenegger are both just completely worn down to nothing throughout the film. It's just, it's really clever. Um, so it's it's fantastic storytelling for 1984, and I do have to keep dragging myself back to the fact that it is 1984 because the things that take it out for me are things that date it. So the the bad special effects, that stop motion is unfortunately I did. It's the one point that it took me out of the film. I was getting really into it, and then I saw this metallic skeleton <laughs> supposedly dragging itself along a corridor, and I kind of went, "Oh for fuck's sake, no! <laughs> that that just doesn't work." But it, it's probably what it's probably the best of what they had in it. It's exactly the same as what we saw in Robocop with the the massive um, what they called the the huge it's robots that yeah, the, the, yeah that's them the, the walk is they obviously couldn't work out how to make characters walk because as we mentioned when it's when the skeleton's dragging itself along by its hands and its legs are gone that looked realistic that looked incredible yeah but they can't make robots walk clearly so the, the ropey special effects and that one moment the sort of declaration of love in the motel room it, the, the two moments that kind of took me out of the film and it felt kind of unfortunate and I, it may just be my reading of it it may be that I watch it for a second time and I start to kind of get it or understand it or process it but they're the two moments that just kind of maybe go ah oh, that's not yeah. That's, it's taken, it took me a while to get back into it again but I did get back into it again and I can see exactly why it's so iconic why it completely propelled Arnold Schwarzenegger deservedly so and it's I mean it's overall just it's an enjoyable hour and 50 minute watch I enjoy just sitting watching it was an enjoyable way to spend some time yeah which for a, a, sci a film that fits into the sci-fi or horror genre is rare for me which I think is why I'm gonna have to rate it as highly as I do so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with four out of five fair enough yeah, it's uh, it is a fun film. I feel like it's a very accessible film. Having, well, obviously the two sort of two lead actor uh, male performances, but also with the Linda Hamilton character, it's it's not just a man's film. It's a film for you know there's there's characters for everyone to kind of relate to or feel that the they can you know empathize even easier with that kind of thing. So yeah, that's that's one of the the things I like about it, and that's one of the staples of of Cameron's that he would go on to do with for with more films in his career. Um yeah, that's it's a great film and it's it's endured over the over the years. And that will conclude our podcast on this film. I think we might be under the two hours, I'll just check. Uh or we'll be just just uh, depends how much we cut. It could be about the two hour mark, but it isn't too bad. We've... I think at least two hours maybe just Yeah. Over. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining me on this one. This has been a, a, an enjoyable viewing. We'll uh, need to decide what we're going to do on next next month, but we can talk off air on what the what ideas are floating about for the next film or project or whatever we decide. Of course, we'll be back in two weeks' time for, hey. for our normal, usual catch-ups of what's been happening in film and streaming services. Oh, yeah, I just realized why you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you, never, you never even meant that, did you? No, no, absolutely not. Nope. Uh, I wish I did. Now I feel like an idiot. Um, yeah. yeah, so we'll be back to do the catch up. And yeah, you can check all our other stuff. We've got lots there. Check capiche.online. That's K A P E E S H. 
there's all sorts of film reviews, game reviews, some features, and all the rest of the podcasts on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and a few other services. Give them a listen, like, share, all that kind of stuff. It would be much appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we're back next time. Bye-bye. Take care.